Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Karen Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox is not running for re-election this year. Two Democrats are fighting for her job, and they will go head-to-head in the March 19th primary. You met one of them last week. This weekend, we talk with Eileen O'Neill Burke. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Last weekend on this program, you heard from former prosecutor and now Professor Clayton Harris III, who is running for state's attorney. This weekend, we'll spend some time with Harris's rival for the job, former appellate court judge Eileen O'Neill Burke. Ms. Burke was elected to the Cook County Circuit Court in 2008. She served eight years, handling mostly complicated civil cases. In 2016, Burke was elected to the 1st District Appellate Court, and her bio says since then she has issued over 800 written decisions in both civil and criminal cases and reviewed over 1,800 trial court decisions. Well, she's also in her career been a county prosecutor and a defense attorney, and she brings all of that to the table. We are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing, and Eileen O'Neill Burke, welcome. Thank you, Craig. I'm looking forward to our interview. Well, as I as am I. Um, you've had a pretty good career going on the bench. Why change lanes when you were the one making decisions in cases? And if you win this election, you and your team will be hoping a judge makes the right decision. Uh, that seems to be the question of the day, Craig, on why would I do this crazy thing? Why would I step down from the appellate court to do this? Um, or as my husband liked to say, you want to do what? Um, so... Uh, My answer is pretty simple, and I think it's an answer that a lot of people will understand. I love Cook County. I was born and raised here. I grew up on the Northwest side. I met my husband here first day, first year of law school. We raised our four children here. My family has been here for generations. My great-grandmother was a baby in Chicago during the Great Chicago Fire. And I want my children to come back here and raise their children here but I want them to live in a city that's safe. I want them to live in a city where you don't have to worry about being mugged if you go out at night, where you can ride the CTA and not be victimized. I want that for everybody in every neighborhood in every town in Cook County. So the reason I stepped down is because our justice system is not working right now. But I don't think you need me to tell you that. I think anybody who reads the newspaper or watches the news at night could tell you that. I think if you asked any victim, any witness, or even any defendant right now, 
if they think our justice system is working just fine, I think they will tell you it is not. So I made the difficult decision to step down because I think right now we need somebody that has my level of legal experience and my level of legal knowledge. I have been on every single side of the justice system. I've been a prosecutor. I've been a criminal defense attorney. I've been a trial court judge and I've been on the appellate court. I know what effective prosecution is. And I stepped down because I think I'm needed right now. Well, and you've had three decades in 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 a courtroom and around experience. Um, but now your opponent says, but this is a management post and he's the one with the experience as a manager. So what do you say about that? And what do you see as your major strength as a candidate for state's attorney? We are managers. We are absolutely managers of, of attorneys, but a big part of the state's attorney's office is learning how to be a trial attorney. It's learning what is the skill set that's necessary to be a trial attorney. So when I became a state's attorney in 1991, there were 2,300 applications for 50 spots. It was a highly coveted job because it was the place you went to become a trial attorney. And, and that training and that supervision is, is not there anymore. It is not existent. So somebody with my legal experience, I've taught every single new judge in Illinois since 2012 civil procedure. I've taught every judge in Illinois different topics from driving under the influence to appellate court review and everything in between. I know how to teach. I know how to set a curriculum. I want to create the best training ground for prosecutors in the entire nation. I want to set the gold standard for prosecutor training. And yes, it's a management position, but I've also been the president of the Illinois Judges Association. That's 1,300 judges throughout the state. We had 13 different committees. We have a budget. We have staff. So I'm not lacking in management experience. I have an abundance of legal training experience, and I have an abundance of management experience, and that's what we need for this role. Well, I want to talk about uh, some of the things that you talked about, uh, mainly safety. Uh, the numbers do show that violent crime rates are coming down somewhat, um, but as you point out, there are still young people and others being shot just about every day. How do you believe the state's attorney's office can effectively help bring down the violence? So, first of all, our numbers have come down from the high of the pandemic. They are not down to 2019 levels. And we've seen other every other major city, with the exception of a couple, has gotten their crime rates down to 2019 levels. Chicago has not. So the thing that's impacting business in Chicago right now, my viewpoint is Chicago is truly the most beautiful city in the world. And we have air, we have port, we have rails, we have a fresh water supply. We're not experiencing the catastrophic climate change that they are on the coast. We should be booming right now, but we are not. Instead, businesses are leaving, people are leaving, and they are leaving because of crime. So I'm, I'm talking to people all over the county, all over the city, every single day, Craig, and they're telling me the same thing, that they are afraid. When people are afraid, they leave. So we have a lot of pressures on our justice system right now. And one of the biggest pressures that we're seeing is the influx of guns. 
This city has been flooded with guns. And it's not just any guns. They're guns with a switch converting a handgun to an automatic weapon with an extended magazine. And we're seeing the ramifications of the amount of these guns all over the city. The shooting that happened in Lawndale a couple months ago with 15 people shot, it was one of these guns. They're very difficult to control when you put a switch on a handgun with an extended magazine. They just spray bullets. The two boys that were shot on Washington and Wabash a few weeks ago, 20 shots rang out in five seconds. It's one of these guns. The officer who was shot at State and Walton about a month ago, the offender had one of these guns. They are everywhere. So we need to get control of the guns and we have a tool to do that. And the tool is the assault weapons ban. It elevates the class of offense and it extends the term of sentence. We need to enforce the ban by asking for a detention each and every time one of these guns is found. The other thing that we can do is to stem this river of guns that's coming into the city is 60% of the guns that are used in crimes in Cook County come from five gun shops in Illinois, five. We need to partner with the ATF, the US attorney and every other law enforcement agency in Cook County and start targeting the straw purchasers and exactly who is flooding this city with guns. 40% of the guns are coming across the border from Indiana. That's another thing. Somehow we're able to stop fireworks from coming in from Indiana, but we can't stop guns. Yes, we can, and we need to do so. We are not going to get control of the armed robberies or the carjackings until we first start addressing the gun issue that we have. How do you believe that we need stronger laws? Because, you know, trying to pass gun legislation in Illinois um, has been an uphill climb, you know, even despite the urban areas having most of the votes. Um, we have some of the strongest gun laws in the entire country. The assault weapons ban is uh, one of the few in the entire country that we have. So that's a tool, but it's a tool we're not using. The current administration of the state's attorney's office has a gun deferral program. What that means is if somebody's arrested with an illegal weapon and they don't have a background, prosecution is deferred, meaning no prosecution takes place. We've seen the ramifications of that policy. It has not made anyone safer. We need to enforce the laws that we have. I do remember uh, the debate over that. And the I think what some people were afraid of was that people who felt the need to keep a gun for their own safety, um, you know, mothers <laughs> and then there were a number of guns being bought by women just to have in their purse because they were afraid of being that those were people who were going to be caught in that net how do you keep that from happening there are pathways to having legal weapons i am not interested in in going after people who have legally obtained a gun i am interested in stemming the flow of guns into juveniles hands into convicted felons' hands, and into people who are mentally ill. Those are all laws that we have on the books that prohibit their possession of weapons. I'm interested in going after the illegal weapons, not the weapons that people who actually have gotten a um, concealed carry license or an FOID card and who have been vetted and taken some training in handguns. Those I have no problem with that, and I don't think anybody does. 
What I want to do is enforce the gun laws that we have. And now, how do you maintain, uh, and this is maybe more of a policing question, but it is an uh, an enforcement and prosecution question as well, maintain the balance between strong policing and the need to protect the rights of civilians and even those accused? So the relationship between the police department and the state's attorney's office has been, um, we need to be able to work together. We need to have a working relationship together. And right now that doesn't exist. The police department doesn't chase, trace, trust the state's attorney's office and the state's attorney's office does not trust the police department. So I wanted to do a couple of things to rectify the relationship between the state's attorneys and the police for the simple reason of the police are our main, if not our sole witness on each and every case. They're responsible for getting us all of our evidence, all of our witnesses, all of our statements. We need to work together. So one of the first things I want to do is I want to erect a hard and fast wall between the state's attorney's office and a special prosecution unit, which will be staffed by attorneys of the highest legal reputation in the city. Those special prosecutors will be in charge of investigating and prosecuting officers charged with misconduct or malfeasance in their job. The other thing I want to do is I want to take brand new cadets out of the academy and put them together with brand new state's attorneys in a week-long class. And every single day in that class, we're going to study things that they're going to see every single day. So the first day is going to be studying the Constitution and the case law and the Terry stops. When is a Terry stop appropriate? What are the parameters for it? What does the Constitution say? When do you need a search warrant? Then the next day, we're going to cover Miranda. When do you have to Mirandize? What are the, the circumstances that require a lawyer to be present? The next day is going to be uh, how do you investigate when it's a juvenile? What are the different laws that apply to the juveniles under the Juvenile Court Act with regard to investigation? And then every single afternoon, I want the brand new state's attorney to put the brand new cadet on the stand and practice doing a motion to quash, a motion to suppress, direct exam. So no one goes into court cold. And I think we can start to knit back the relationship and we will create the best trained prosecutors unit and police officers who are well versed in the law of investigation and prosecution of crime. Um, since it keeps coming up, this is probably uh, the the uh, the best place to bring it up. Uh, this coming up as an issue. I need you to address the uh, the Anna Gilvis murder case in 1993 uh, when you were a lead prosecutor uh, for people who won't remember the name an 11 year old was tried and convicted of murder a conviction that was overturned your opponent questions your judgment saying that the child was too small to have committed the crime and his confession uh, was coerced what is your answer to all of that call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um, so 30 years ago, I prosecuted a juvenile who had confessed to the brutal murder of his next door neighbor. His attorney made the decision to put him on the stand where he repeated the confession. Neither his attorney, the juvenile or his mother ever claimed that that statement was coerced. Um, the case went up on appeal. The appellate court affirmed the Supreme Court denied review. Eight years later, it went to federal court and federal court found that his attorney was wrong in not challenging that confession, that his attorney was ineffective. Neither that court or any other court has ever questioned my conduct in that case or any other case. The only time my role in that case has ever been subject to question is 30 years later when Mr. Harris and his allies decided to make that an issue. So this is really nothing more than a desperate political ploy to, to throw, you know, cast dispersions on me because it distracts from his lack of qualifications for this job. And there is really no there there. I've been evaluated by dozens of bar associations each and every time, at least three or four times. And each and every time they have found that I'm fair, I follow the law and I have good judgment. If this case was what Mr. Harris says it is, that would have never happened. And every bar association would have found that I was unqualified. I have received the highest marks from every single bar association. So there's there's nothing to this. And either Mr. Harris doesn't understand the federal court opinion, or he's chosen to distort the facts of that case to make sure that there's more division in our community. So I will tell you this, every single judge is evaluated on their honesty, their ethics, and their integrity. And I have always been found to have the highest amount of honesty, ethics, and integrity. And the fact that he does not is a disqualification for this office because being a chief prosecutor requires those qualities even more so.
You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Eileen O'Neill Burke, Democratic candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. I do want to ask you about uh, the Safety Act, um, because before it was enacted, uh, some state's attorneys and others uh, were almost predicting the end of the world, uh, predict- predicting that the end- ending cash bail would turn dangerous criminals onto the streets in droves. Now that the Safety Act is in place, what do you think of the reality of what's happening in the courtrooms and on the streets? So the Safety Act is a seminal, once-in-a-lifetime generational change to our criminal justice system. So judges always used to set bond commiserate with how serious the offense was. So we've all seen that. If a judge set a bond for a murder, it'd be a higher bond. And that was judge's method of keeping someone detained based on the seriousness of the offense or based on their background. So what the Safety Act does is it says we're no longer going to look at money. We are going to base the criterion on, are you a danger to the public or are you not? And I think we can all agree that's what the criterion should be. We are the first state in the nation to try to do this. And and somebody who is not a danger to the public does not need to be incarcerated prior to them being found guilty. So I think we can all understand that. And we're all on board with that when, when people understand that's what the criterion is. But what the Safety Act does is it also fundamentally changes the state's attorney's role in pretrial detention. So now, in order to detain anyone, the state's attorney needs to file a petition to detain. Once they file that petition, a judge can then make the determination to detain or not to detain. But if the state's attorney does not file that petition to detain, it doesn't matter if somebody's a serial killer or a predator, judges must release the defendant. So the state's attorney has now been given the role of gatekeeper on who is detained and who is not detained. That is a fundamental change. So it has become exponentially more important that someone who's in charge of the state's attorney's office knows what they're doing. And they put in in place structure, training, and criteria for when we will seek detention. Um, Preparing for those detention hearings, obviously, is going to take more time, more people, and the state's attorney's office has been suffering from attrition. Uh, how can the office handle that in the crunch of the cases themselves? So um, we need to get restaffed. That is without question. And the way we're going to get restaffed is we are going to offer superior training. So I've already started talking to other retired judges saying, come back with me, let us form an education unit for each and every level of the state's attorney's office. We're going to study the constitution, the case law, and what are the courtroom skills that are necessary for you to be effective at your job. This is going to be the gold standard of training for prosecutors in the entire country. This is going to be like getting a master's degree in trial work. We're going to go out and we are going to market the state's attorney's office to every law student saying, do you want to be a trial attorney? Well, there's going to be no better place than right here in the state's attorney's office. And I also want to create a restorative justice bureau. So people throw around the term restorative justice a lot, but I will tell you exactly what I'm talking about. There are courtrooms that are geared for nonviolent felonies that have specific people that they're geared toward. 
drug addiction, mental health courts, veterans courts, prostitution courts. And they're a collaborative approach between the judge, the public defender, the state's attorney, and the social service agencies. And they figure out what does this person need to get back on track. And they're actually having success in these programs. Their repeat offender rates are significantly less we're not seeing the, the continuous pipeline into violent crime with them. We're getting people turned around and back on track. I want to put them all together in a bureau. Let them cross-pollinate, figure out what's effective, what's working, and implement more and better and innovative strategies here. And I think if we take this two-prong approach of the best trained trial attorneys and this restorative justice bureau, we're going to appeal to two completely different types of law students. One who wants to be the hard charging trial attorney in the courtroom and one who wants to learn how to work with multiple governmental agencies and getting people back on track. And when we do this twofold approach, I think we're going to get the office restaffed very, very quickly. I also want to talk about uh, something else happening inside the courtroom. Uh, and and I heard from a number of uh, Cook County retail groups and, and police departments uh, that were outraged when Kim Fox stopped prosecuting many retail thefts as felonies. Uh, if the uh, the take was under $1,000, uh, state law sets $300 as the threshold. Um, but uh, and, and on this program, a number of times, State's Attorney Fox said there that there were just too many of her prosecutors who were handling low-level thefts and that that attention should have been on violent crimes. And she was basically shifting the weight weight load to uh, to more expensive uh, uh, thefts. But you said you would reverse that policy. Why? And, and what is the problem with it? So the retail theft statute says the amount of goods in order to be a felony is $300. What the current administration has done has said, if it's less than that, the value is less than a thousand, we are not going to prosecute. Well, the ramifications of that policy, you can see all over. You can clear out several aisles of a mom and pop grocery store and not reach a thousand dollars. You can clear out several aisles of Walgreens and not reach a thousand dollars. The ramifications of that policy are that Walgreens, CBS, mom and pop all over the city and the county, including big box stores like Target and Walmart, are closing, and they are closing because of theft. So my viewpoint is I took an oath as a judge. I'll take the same oath as state's attorney that I will uphold the law. If there is an appetite to change the law, the correct way to do that is to go to Springfield and change the law, and I will uphold that law as well. But it is not appropriate for an office holder just to say, well, I'm not going to enforce the law. By saying we are not going to enforce the law, we don't deter crime, we promote crime. So that's not to say that every single person charged with retail theft should go to jail. We have a wide variety of options available to us. So if somebody doesn't have a background and they get arrested on a retail theft, you can give them theft school. They complete the class. They don't get arrested again. It's gone. It's off of their record. It doesn't impact their life. And then you gradate up to supervision, probation, and jail time, depending on the seriousness of the offense and the background of the offender. That's how I will approach retail theft. Does the office have enough uh, personnel 
to to do that kind of a job. I mean, we're especially in this atmosphere when you're going to be doing detention hearings, you know, all the time. And now it's different, different types of courtrooms, different types of alternatives, which I think there's general agreement that these things are good and necessary, but they're resource or they can be resource heavy. We are going to be in a triage program at, at first. That's without a doubt. They're woefully understaffed. We are going to be triaging. We have a, a bunch of different methods on how we can triage. One of the methods is we're going to reopen the 7-Eleven program. So the 7-Eleven program, it's under Supreme Court Rule 7-Eleven. You allow law students to come and work in governmental agencies. They get course credit. We get, you know, an opportunity to, it's a recruiting tool as well. Um, so that's one. Day one, we're going to reopen the 7-Eleven program. Um, I also want to get paralegals. I want to have a paralegal, one paralegal for every two courtrooms. One of the major problems in uh, addressing the logger jam of cases is that defendants are sitting in custody for years waiting to go to trial. Um, one, of the op one of the obstacles is discovery hasn't been complied with. So I want to have a paralegal who's in there who is making sure that the reports are ordered in a timely fashion, that uh, video evidence is processed. So every single crime right now has video evidence. Um, we may get six hours of videotape of which you need 35 seconds. Well, when you're overwhelmed and understaffed in a courtroom, you don't have time to review six hours of video evidence, but a paralegal can't. So the paralegal can go in, find the 35 seconds we need, redact it, tender both the six hours and the 35 seconds to the defense and start moving through the logger jam of cases. So there is also a network of retired state's attorneys. There's 3,000 state's attorneys in Cook County. I'm going to be tapping every single one of them to come in here, help us with training, help us with supervision and get us restaffed. We're going to do it and we don't have a choice. We are going to, to fix the system. It's not working for anyone right now. And we can make a system that works for everyone. We can make this system work for defendants and witnesses and victims. The state's attorney's office represents the victims of crime. And they've been forgotten in this analysis. Uh, does this mean the, the people who uh, do the budget for Cook County are going to gulp when they see you coming in for your first uh, <laughs> um, So it, it, according to all the information that I looked at, the budget for a fully staffed state's attorney's office is still there. In fact, the current administration last June started offering a retention bonus to people that if you stayed for six months, you would get a $5,000 bonus. In spite of that, they've had several more resignations. So the budget is there and we're going to get it restaffed. There's there's no question in my mind that we are going to make this a, a place that people want to come and learn and have careers here. And that is going to be the final word. Thank you very much. That is Eileen O'Neill Burke, Democratic candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. Thanks for spending the time with us. 
in heavily Democratic Cook County, the primary has often but not always uh, been the uh, the pretty much the forebearer of the election itself. But there will be other candidates in November. Uh, former Alderman Bob Fioretti is the Republican candidate. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, WBBMNewsRadio.com. There's a link on the homepage, and you can also find our podcasts on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.